Welcome to this episode of the Chat Venture Podcast, where I'm sat here with Mike once again. Um, Hello. Who's who's still in Japan, and uh, what a what a what an unfortunate situation for Michael. Um, and we're going to talk mm. about we're going to talk about my obsession with blue bananas this week, and every the crazy amazing things that I end up discovering about bananas um, that I really want to share with everyone. And Mike's Michelin star Tokyo experience where he's picked up some funky new ingredients. Isn't that right, Mike? Isn't that right, Mike? Yeah, I've had a tough week, a very tough week. To yeah, yeah. Michelin star restaurant and eat some amazing food. Um, <laughs> well, you, tough life in Tokyo, I know, but, as, you, as, you, as you explained it at the beginning. Well, so. Do you know what I can hear? I can hear that you're having a tough time with, with hay fever, which in Tokyo still mm. has its silver lining because that means it's sakura season it's uh, cherry blossom season um so i mean yeah not, yeah is it, it is, is it right? very is it very obvious in my voice that i'm suffering from hay fever well yeah, you, I could, yeah if, i mean you just yeah, yeah I, uh, apologies <laughs> if i am if i'm sniffing and sneezing whole, the whole way through um yeah it's just yeah. just constant reminders that that he's in cherry blossom season that's that's what it really is <laughs> that was a good thing that was yeah. a good thing because before before japan i I had a little stint in Dubai, which was great mm. because obviously in the desert you got no, oh, no yeah. plants and no trees, and I had no. <laughs> but my worst experience has always been in the UK. Oh I mean, no, mine I got, too. I got heavy, but so bad in the UK that, I mean, here in Japan it's it's bad, mm. but it's nowhere near as bad. Like in the UK, I don't know if this is an experience that mm. people, other people have had, but I used mm. to wake up in the morning mm. and my eyes used mm. to be stuck together. Oh yeah. Oh shoot! Is that, no, is no. that normal? My, I mean, <laughs> I literally had to pry them open. Morning, like, like that. <laughs> no. You never have that. I, I, I never, I never had that. I mean, I used to wake up like, uh, like, couldn't sleep all night because I was busy sneezing and choking and yeah, coughing, and wake up yeah. just feeling horrendous. And I didn't, yeah, I didn't have trouble never, sleeping, I, but I'd wake uh, up and yeah, like my nose would be blocked, my eyes would be stuck together. Lovely, <laughs> wonderful, yeah. Dry cough. There you go. That's what. It, yeah. No, I mean, like, I used to have to put all my blankets and stuff away in a cupboard in the daytime to prevent. So, top tips for anyone who's got hay fever: you put your blankets and stuff all in the in the cupboard away from the pollen throughout the day. So, when you come to sleep on it, it hasn't accumulated everything that's been really? circulating in the day. It, it helped me. It helped. And uh, cold shower so before bed or shower just to clean anything out of your eyes on your nose. Maybe that would have helped you. Because you got rid of the cold pollen. shower, or no, just a shower, just to wash out everything from your eyes oh, okay. and everything. But I was about so, to say, I had a cold shower just now. Okay, well that yeah, well I will go into more detail though. <laughs> well, you know what I want you to go into detail about is also the plum season that you just experienced in your hometown. So I don't know if you want to, mm. if you what mm. color are plum blossoms? Um, they are. A whole variety of colors. I, same with sakura, which is cherry blossom actually. But plum blossom is they they bloom a little bit before, like a month or so before mm. cherry blossoms. Okay, and they're not as pretty as oh. in like no, they they are as pretty, but they cherry blossoms like the whole tree 
yeah. the whole top of the tree is covered in flowers. Wow. The plum blossoms are a little more bit... sparse. Yeah, a little bit more sparse. So you can uh... see the, the tree a lot more and the branches a lot more. But um, unfortunately for a hay fever sufferer, they smell amazing. So I was going around and sniffing, that sniffing all the. Yeah. <laughs> that maybe that's why I'm suffering this morning. We but yeah, it. I was walking we around because anyway, I went to my yeah. hometown because it's very popular for, um, very famous for this particular park, which has just got What's hundreds. Kairakuem. Kairakuem. Okay. Kairakuem. Um, yeah. And it's just got hundreds of. Um, yeah of plum blossoms uh, maybe Amazing. thousands i'm not sure um and yeah. as you're walking through it it just smells fantastic but at the moment everyone at like the moment they're asking hmm? is it like a sweet smell very sweet very oh, sweet. really it's, it's 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 also kind of vanilla it's well i mean like i said there are very, many variations and the colors are you know wow Deep red ones. You got white ones. Wow. You've got pink ones. Wow. Um, so it's just like a whole variation of different colors. That's um, crazy. And I I went around smelling them all because I thought okay, <laughs> I wanted to see if each color had a different smell. Great idea for a hay fever sufferer. Yeah, I know. So I was just like, uh, uh, oh, it's painful, but it smells so good. <laughs> That's but, why I we're mean, on this podcast. Yeah, I, I, I put myself through pain. Food over matter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, but um, yeah, I mean the the best one that I smelled was uh, the white variation, and it had ooh. a very kind of vanilla smell nice. creamy creamy vanilla like smell to it which was right and fantastic. how did that contrast with the red one for example the, that i mean that's the thing the that one was the one that i enjoyed the most because it was more distinct it was uh, and the, the red one maybe was a little bit more subtle i think they're all quite similar but that one right. was a very strong smell at least anyway <laughs> Okay, mm. that's really interesting. And did they do it? Was, it, it, it was a sweeter smell as well. Did you get honey? Do you get honey from plum blossom, or is it mostly a pollen plant? Like, do do bees? Were there bees everywhere? Do you get honey from this? Yeah, I, I think you, you can for sure. But uh, there, they weren't selling any honey, and I didn't really see that uh, many. Because bees. yeah, some of these plants are for mostly produce like almonds, mostly <clears> produce <throat> pollen, and you don't really get like you know yeah. honey from almond trees for that reason yeah but i, I, just, I was actually yeah. thinking that as i was walking through and smelling i was thinking you know if you could yeah, transfer this nectar. into yeah. the honey it would be uh, incredible and i would love i i was looking for honey they, uh, in the shops use, there but yeah but uh, they didn't have any in fact instead i just bought some i bought uh, some um ume umeshu, umeshu. Uh, which is wait, plum sake um uh, oh wait, wait, like wait, plum wait, wait, alcohol so before we get to plum sake, because I'm going to go in a rabbit hole with that um, about that with mm. you. But do they infuse the flowers into what's on the topic of getting the flavor of the flowers and stuff? Is there like infused flower stuff um, in Tokyo right now? Like infused flower, I don't know, um, desserts and vodkas. Oh, and, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. There is. Uh, I mean... Japan is a yeah. seasonal country, right? So every Amazing, season yeah. you will find different flavors um, incorporated into right. all the foods. And not just the foods, but also, you know, you go to the convenience store mm. and there will be um, 
Sakura yes, themed uh, tea. Uh, I mean, just everything. even the convenience stories is just too good. I was gonna say, mm. could you could you make us jealous? I actually do get jealous in these podcasts with some of the stuff that you, you have. Um, but could you make us jealous and bring some um, sakura slash plum blossom infused treats, maybe sweet treats next week? Yeah, uh, that'd be pretty next, cool. Yeah, I think it. Yeah, it should be next week. Uh, is gonna be hold me in suspense. Well, actually, no. Sorry, now this week uh, it's Monday, isn't it? This week is um, gonna be uh, full blossom uh, in Tokyo. So uh, this weekend, or maybe the beginning of people next week. People start doing things with it. I've okay. already planned to do a to do a, a hanami, which is a cherry blossom viewing this weekend. Wow, that actually has a name. Yeah, isn't the hanami yeah. the name also of the fireworks? The little fireworks. That's there. hana hanabi. Hanabi. Okay, cool. Mm. So uh, hanami hana hana is yeah. flower. Mi si. is look. Uh, well, it's not. It's not look. I mean. Mimas, mimas or midu is so to watch look. something. Yeah, to look something. Yeah. Okay. So hana flower mi. So hanami is okay. doing. Hana bi, uh, hana as is yeah. fireworks and hana again is flower. Yeah. But then bi this shape is okay. Is the uh, is fire? Well, he he is fire. But then but, and when you join it together, it becomes bi hana bi. Okay, so makes sense. Okay, mm. Fireflower. <laughs> That's a great name for fireworks. Hey, I learned yeah. something new there. Yeah, <laughs> mm. All right, now, now let's go into this rabbit hole with the umeboshi. What, what is umeboshi? It's not umeboshi, it's um, umeshu. Umeshu. Umeboshi umeshu. is the pickled plum, pickled which plum. is also really nice. Um, and so it's usually plum. had in with rice, okay. eaten with rice. Mm. Um, um, but umeboshi... Umeshu is yeah. the alcohol and it's actually yeah. really easy to make. I haven't tried to make it, but uh, I know family members, I know friends who make it. You just basically yeah. get a big jar, yeah. you chuck in all the plums, yeah. loads of plums in there, yeah. and you put in lots of sugar. Oh, and wow. You put in, use, then you can put in any kind of like alcohol. Um, I think usually yeah. it's shochu. Shochu, shochu ah, is. So it's like an shochu. infused. It's an infused. Uh, yeah, but you can you can beverage. use anything. You can use brandy. You can use. Yeah. Oh um, no, but what I'm trying. Well, to I say don't think is, not anything, yeah. but yeah, something with yeah. a high alcohol content at least anyway. Yeah. But it's but it's but it's not like beer where like you ferment the <clears throat> plums and then you drink the fermented. This is more yeah. like you infuse an alcohol yeah. with the flavor and the sweetness of plums. Yeah, but then you leave it. Drink you can it. leave it for years. I I my aunt I drank uh, some umeshu that she made and she okay. left it for 12 years oof and does I it drink that and i felt really bad you know when i i remember when i came around and kept drinking it because it tastes so good it was like, this is the last batch of michael and i was like oh my god like this is something Please. that she's been she's been like brewing for like 12 years and i've just come around and, like drank it all basically like, so quickly <laughs> you glutton yeah, no. <laughs> but it's all honestly you're like did you even pay her for this like you compensate her, well, uh, her... <laughs> but but um honestly i think um um you know sake you everyone knows the yeah yeah everyone knows alcoholic most of our famous alcohol in japan is mm. nihonshu sake right well actually yeah. this is the thing you have to make the distinction when you come to japan yeah. um sake everyone yeah. says sake is you know the japanese rice wine but sake yeah. in japan just means alcohol no way 
I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, so you, okay. if you go to the restaurant, you have to kind of, you have to more mm. uh, identify it by saying Nihonshu. Nihonshu is Japanese, Japanese. rice wine sake. Yeah, yeah. We just say sake. It, I think it's generally kinda, they'll know what you mean. Yeah. But, uh, it just means alcohol, basically. Uh, mm. Okay. So anyway, that's, that's the most famous one. But really, mm. if I'm being honest, on par with Nihonshu, with sake, ooh, I love Umeshu. Yeah, I used when I was young. I used to just eat the the, the umeboshi, which is the, the salty plums. plum. Yeah, mm. yeah. Just I used Lovely. to eat them by themselves. Well, actually, <laughs> that's, that's no, not the salty one. I had the sweet ones. Hachimitsu, okay. Hachimitsu umeboshi, which is the okay. Hachimitsu's uh, honey. Okay, so, okay, um, okay, okay. Yeah, and that makes sense. Quite, quite, it's not. It can be quite sweet, but you know, yeah, it's a it's a sweeter drink at least anyway. Oh, I mean, I've, I've heard juice. about this in cocktails with like tonic water, like. Mm. you know well probably because it's too expensive to serve pure outside of japan especially but um mm. but yeah it's like i think it's like a really wonderful refreshing taste i think we had a few umeboshi i mean ume, i keep on saying umeboshi umeshu cocktails whilst we're in japan too super super nice i think so yeah 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 yeah. i mean you can have With it like ale. um um uh Ooh. On the rock, rocks just on the rock is my oh, favorite yeah. one. Nice. What's the percentage yeah. of alcohol? Good question. I got the answer right here. <laughs> I should tell I think 20%. <laughs> I think it's 20% anyway. 20%. 21%. All right. Mm. Well, which is like wine. I oh, know a bit more, a bit stronger than wine. Stronger, but... a bit stronger, more like yeah. a port or something. Um, so yeah, that sounds pretty cool, Mike. Uh, on this end, on my end, out here in Colombia, I've been... What have you been doing? Well, the thing is, a lot of this week got spent... So I've got a lot of coffee fermenting on the balcony, which I want to save that for another time to talk about it when I have finished it. So that's like my big interesting food thing of the week. And um, also another interesting food thing that I did this week was, uh, you know, papaya has uh, papaya and has enzymes which can break down proteins. And if you mix it yeah. with beans and leave it for some time, um, well, I've mm. done it with the seeds. If you take the seeds of papaya and you grind it down with some beans, it can start tasting quite umami, like soy sauce, because it's breaking down the proteins into amino acids. I, I <clears> actually I did it watched with... a video, yeah. something about this earlier, like um, it's, it wasn't papaya. It was where a guy... Um, turned a one dollar steak into mm. a much uh, like a better flavored steak by processing putting a, yeah. a pineapple through a blender yeah yeah, yeah and yeah. then just soaking the meat in the pineapple Mr. everything the skin yeah oh yeah i think so yeah yeah he just soaked it in there for a while and it just made the steak yeah. way better yeah so, you, so you did essentially the same thing so just think about what they're doing to, to like steak it's bringing it to meat and it can and it can do that also to um the stuff in beans obviously beans have less protein but uh than steak like when you consider the water content but mm. um but yeah it works it makes it taste round and umami <clears throat> so that's a fun little trick that people can use and, and papaya seeds are edible they taste like a bit like black pepper so mm. pretty pretty little cool little thing there um you have to add a lot of salt if you want to preserve it though and and so yeah i'm doing like a chili fermentation in which there's a uh, papaya and and white beans and the papaya and the white okay. beans is giving it a fruity rounded taste it's quite nice but okay yeah beyond that i think uh, so it's just yeah. it just 
does it soften it as well or now how do you cook it afterwards is it, is it not gonna like the beans uh, are they not just gonna no, disintegrate already cooked the beans i cook them up oh. and yeah and i want them to completely disintegrate inside so it's a lacto fermentation with a bit of uh, enzymatic digestion happening at the same time uh, mm. of the proteins and the lacto fermentation is the kind of fermentation that you get with kimchi so you have to put salt in this stuff and lactobacillus which is a bacteria takes mm. over like same same with yogurt it's the same kind of fermentation you get a wonderful acidity um and and yeah really really nice to have this kind of rounded fruity and spicy and acidic taste all at the same time um so so yeah 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 takes a while though <laughs> to get that all going so so yeah that's that, that's that's my weird experiment this week um talk about the coffee experiment later <laughs> my wife thinks i'm going to kill myself though one day with this <laughs> by making a mistake it doesn't sound that dangerous like just, i don't like, think it is if, if you, if you it's not know, like you're, you're like mixing like chemicals into test tubes with each other as and... long as you've got uh nice clean equipment plenty of salt and, and a good amount of acid developing inside the ferment um you've got the correct bacteria and there's nothing weird happening no mold anything like that it's good. It's good to go. I enjoy it a lot. Um, anyway, come on. Lacto fermentation. Koreans do it yeah. all the time. Like, you know, even in Japan, yeah, like on the farms. Yeah, exactly. They're fermenting uh, cucumbers and stuff like that. It's the same thing. It's just so okay. how often would you say you experiment with these kind of like uh, different kind of <laughs> foods? Is this a weekly oh, thing? Uh, can be depending <laughs> on what ingredients I find. Uh, sometimes I, I end up going to a fruit market because I'm, I'm well, in Colombia. You go out to a fruit market and you just end up seeing just a crazy variety of yeah, uh, fruits, and you start to get ideas like hmm, maybe this will taste good if I try fermenting it. <laughs> Has there ever been an absolutely horrendous experiment you ever done where you've oh, eaten it and just like oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. giving yourself food poisoning or it just There's... tasted awful. And a fruit here called tree tomato. It's, it's a nightshade. It's related to tomatoes. Um, mm. um, there's many, many plants that are related to tomatoes that we don't expect to be. That includes things like I remember. I remember one chilies. fruit having uh, one fruit that I had in Colombia, which looked basically like tomato, and it tasted different. Mm. <laughs> yeah, <there's... laughs> great what, description, what, Michael. What, what, <laughs> what color was it? <laughs> It was it was red, but I think it had like bits That's of green as well. Um, well, th this one um, looks like an elongated. If you think about, um, I think we're talking about the same thing. If you think about a, a plum tomato, and you mm. make it bigger, and you make mm. it purple. Yeah, I think so. And purple or reddish. Yeah, it is. It's tangy. It's sweet. It has a bit of a tomatoey, like rounded tomatoey taste, but mm. also it's quite sour. A bit tropical. And and it basically mm. grows on trees, so that's why it's called a tree tomato, um, because because well, it looks it's, 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 it is a tree. It's, it's about um, probably like twelve feet high, three meters high, and you got all these things that look like um, plum tomatoes just hanging off of it, and mm. uh, and and um, but is it actually then related to tomato? Because tomatoes, yeah, yeah it, is. it is, it is. They don't grow on trees. Do it's more like no. a bush. But here in Latin America, this is the center of diversity. This is where they come from. So you have all of the crazy variations like mm. that exist, that have existed ever of, of this family of plants. And so there are okay. many, many edible, um, many, many edible plants in this family of tomatoes, in this nightshade family. <clears throat> 
which like I said, includes things like aubergines, chilies, potatoes. They're all part of the nightshades. They're all related. Uh, mm. and, and so, yeah, this is just one crazy variation that you get here. And that I, I, I smoked it in coconut husk, which is a great mm. idea. You can just take some coconut husk, put it in the middle mm. of a pan, set it on fire, put whatever you want to smoke around it, like prawns and close the lid. It imparts a really, really nice, uh, smooth, umami smoke. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I thought this would be really good with this fruit. And then I fermented it and um, it just went weird, man. It tasted <laughs> meaty. It had this weird foam on top. So I messed it up somehow. And, uh, and, and I did not eat that. Um, <laughs> Sounds like it could be kind of nice. Wise. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't bad, but I was a bit worried with all the kind of weird foam and the, and the kind of like uh, meaty smells coming off of it. I wasn't so sure this, what was This is on. why your wife thinks that you're going to kill yourself one day. You're gonna... The point is that I, 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 I didn't eat it. So, so, yeah. <laughs> so I like to think I know what I'm doing, but you know, there's always room for error. <laughs> Sorry, I, I usually I, I i've never seen you hold back and not eating something before that just no. looks interesting unfortunately no i i could end up with like some i don't know so far so good but but one day we might find i've got some sort of mold infection um great great you got hay fever me potentially i have i have other things going <laughs> i don't know about it yet <laughs> so so what i was gonna say oh, what was it i was gonna say so so i don't know i can't i can't exactly remember but um you're gonna talk about that was a weird fermentation. Was, I, think. I i often do that but it was <laughs> it was a fermentation that uh went oh god really really also oh no, no no one of the funniest ones i got it one of the funniest ones unintentional ones was i had a a, a bottle and at the bottom there was some honey and honey has mm. natural yeast and stuff inside of it and i filled it up with water and shook it uh, because you know i wanted to remove it you know dissolve the honey and, and, and get it out and maybe make a lemonade or something so i don't end up with stuff stuck inside the bottle it's quite innocent but it was a cork um cap honey it was a little bit of fancy honey it's cork cap honey and then mm. so i put the cork back in and, and, then, I, and then i forgot about it for three weeks Three weeks I mean, later, you can, you can generally leave it for quite a while, though, right? But when you put water in it, you reduce the oh. sugar concentration, and now it's at a point where things can grow. Because when you've got a very high concentration of sugar, like jam, uh, it actually mm. preserves. But when you reduce the concentration, now the yeast. Luckily, the yeast grew. Nothing else. There was no foam. There was nothing weird about it. It was completely clear liquid. But the yeast were developing, which means you had a lot. You had, you're making beer. And you're making, making carbon dioxide, you're making mead without knowing it. So, but I, I, I came to this thing Ooh. again, pulled it out the cupboard and just like popped the cork because I just thought I was going to just empty it out or whatever. But the cork flew out. It just smashed the ceiling. And then there was wow. this big cloud of vapor because of course all that gas just blew through and all the water just become vaporized. There's a huge cloud around me. <laughs> it's because oh. it blew up. Lucky I didn't blow it up in my face, but yeah. I was, could I that was have been amazed. Breathe it in. Do you think it could have been dangerous? Oh well, I drank it afterwards. So. <laughs> I was, I was very though, tasty, like, very fizzy, really, really nice. Yeah, I'm wondering though, like, can like food really be? I guess it can be. I mean, like, I heard one story recently where like a guy, I think it was in the US, ate some leftover Chinese food, and mm. he like 
almost died and had yeah. to have his legs amputated. Yeah. And yeah, that, yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you don't want to um, eat food with the wrong kind of bacteria or mold growing on it. Uh, you mm. could poison yourself, food poisoning, and it can be really bad. So, so that's, that's, but the thing about fermentation is, so that then let's if you say do it if right, you get a jab, preserving process. Okay. You get it right. Have you ever done this where you have yeah. a jam and you see a little bit of mold growing on the top and you just scoop that part out and throw it away and then it's the, if, if the mold <laughs> is like like yeah, exactly. If the mold is like a white mold or something, then you can do that. If it's a black mold, you should just throw the whole thing away. because uh, it's probably really quite toxic. What's the difference? Black molds Why is are just black gem- mold worse? Uh, you know what? It's a question that to answer in a lot of depth, I'd have to research, but the 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 kinds of molds that are black on mm. typically on our food at home <clears throat> produce a mm. lot of toxin that we shouldn't consume. So if you okay. see a black mold, just throw it away. If it's, if it's white, you can normally just take it off and move on with your life. Um, but sometimes, sometimes the mold really penetrates and you, yeah. it's, it's already ruined the whole food. The whole thing tastes funky all the way down to the bottom, then throw yeah. it away. Because the main thing is not just the mold growing inside of you, but it's the toxins that it produces. You don't want that in your bloodstream. <laughs> mm. yeah. And, and so, so that's, that's how mold is particularly bad, but bacteria actually grows. And so if, if you, you, you eat the mold, yeah. it will can grow inside of you. I didn't know some that. some some kinds uh, can like end up inoculating your intestine and then you end up with yeast infections <clears throat> yeah which is not good wow. uh, but bacteria if especially ones that grow on meat of course we're made out of meat and the thing that we're eating is made out of meat if it's digesting that it can probably digest you and that's where it gets Fuck. quite dangerous I went, I had my annual health checkup in Japan recently. And yeah. they, when they did the x-ray, they, they were like, oh, um, there's a shadow in your <laughs> left lung. Oh, so, what? Okay. And so they were like, oh, you, you should go check that out. And I was like, okay, then. Um, so I had to have a CT, a CT scan. And right. um, yeah, there was like some inflammation, but oh, it wasn't man. like nothing serious or anything like that. You're right, right. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. It was like, the last it was like podcast. A cyst, a cyst, yeah, no, it was like <laughs> kind of like they said, like not a cyst, but like just some information in that in that one of the, that line. Holy! And they were like, crap. they were doing. They said, okay, we need like to do worms. tests. No, 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 no. It was okay. uh it was just uh I think uh some infection or something. Oof. And one of the things that they wanted yeah. to test was if there was a fungal infection. Uh, but you could have all the tests came that. back. Yeah, all the tests yeah. came back negative, and they're like, know, "Don't know what it is," but just come back. <laughs> so, so just bye. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no. We, I, I came back again. I came back okay. again, and they were like, um, "Oh, it's gone. It's basically just oh, gone your, down." Your body, so, your body fixed the problem. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's good. Yeah, yeah. but you but it's just yeah. Things. I was when when I when that's I heard cool. that one of the things that they were going to try and check for was like a fungal infection. I was like, "Fuck, that sounds scary." Yeah, right. I play a lot of zombie games on my playstation <laughs> so, you know, you know imagination you know is fine-tuned to this yeah <laughs> that's crazy man speaking weirdly crossover speaking of fungal infections um that's 
that's the cause of the destruction of the Cavendish banana. Is this a good transition? Yeah, go <laughs> tell us about your strange, your your how deep, how deep down the rabbit hole of bananas you went. I I, I went bananas over bananas, and um, <laughs> yeah, and I don't know if, if you'd be can, waiting to say that. Explain you? it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> go on, go on. And, uh, and I, I don't plan to give everyone like an exhaustive list of things that I know now about bananas, but maybe the greatest hits. And and, mm. and then from there, if you got any questions, that could be quite interesting. But um, but yeah, like what what really blew my mind was well, I think I think it's two things. One thing is trade. What what mm. things that I never never ex- expected. Mm. to be to be the case are the case and we know it is because of when bananas arrived in certain places and okay. from archaeological sites so like for example how how can you tell like banana looks like something that is just gonna disintegrate and so, yes yeah, so, from so, any archaeological won't be available in any archaeological record so you, just... you get um these things oh what are they called there's pieces of silica that, that that are deposited and then in DNA and you can actually um you can actually also from within the in. skeleton or something. Yeah like so so when people are storing these in certain places and stuff like that and, and they can actually pick out the DNA still and they can actually pick out these like silicas which they know that belong to Padanas. To be honest the archaeological stuff is not something that I went massively in depth with. Um no, but but, I, but, okay. but yeah that's that's generally I, I, how I'm gonna do. I'm gonna admit something to you. Yeah I was initially yeah, I remember when you said you were going to talk about bananas, I was like, yeah. "God, how interesting can this be?" But Dude, but now now yeah. I'm getting quite interested because you're talking about how old and how old the trade went back. Yeah, and some some scientists, some people who study bananas, they think that um, that <clears throat> banana was a first cultivated fruit ever, a first domesticated really? fruit ever. So it's like you can think of it as the first human fruit, which is kind of just goes to show, like just even more like coolness to a banana and what, what what made me start the journey was blue bananas it was trending on my social media for some reason i just started seeing these pictures of blue bananas turns out it's it's a half truth there mm. is a java blue banana which tastes like ice cream and but so the wait, skin okay. is let me blue. first ask though yeah i thought they were native to like caribbean or like south american but I, javan javan but, but look here's the thing I thought the same for a long time, mm. but guess who produces the most bananas? Well, and I, and I guess I'm doing with production, and I guess that's something to do with we're in Europe, and in Europe we mm. get most of bananas from South America. But guess yeah. which country produces the most bananas in the world? Twenty five percent of the world's global production of bananas. Um, Indonesia, <laughs> India, India. Really? In, and it has okay. hundreds and hundreds of varieties because one of the centers of diversity, one of the places where bananas originate from is India. And it's actually mm. from India all the way down into northern Australia. And mm. this is where it gets really, really fun because things like you have the, uh, let me just uh, remind myself what the name of the group is, this Balbicinia group. Um, that that group belongs to what what we know now as plantains. Plantains more or less derive most genetics from there. So that diversity is from all the way from the south of India, all the way across through China, and then you have the acuminata, which is another one, and that's so a sweet is that, banana. Is that actually where and they're from? Goes... I mean, did they make their way to South America, or no, or are they also in 
also so native to crazy. South America. No, okay. so so I, I tell I, I tell you where they are native. So, so okay, yeah, yeah. So I tell you where they're native to. Um, mm. The group Musaci, which is the group that all bananas belong to, but mm. the group Musa, which is where we get most all, all of our edible bananas from, in mm-hmm. that we know, the sweet ones and the starchy plantain ones originate from everywhere from India through to northern Australia. And the first domestication was in Papua New Guinea. And from Papua New Guinea, some varieties were sent back to the Philippines and then there was trade going back and forth all over the place. How how long ago are we talking? 8,000 years ago in the Cook Valley. That's the archaeological site in New Guinea. It got to East Africa, these bananas, 4,000 years ago. By guess who? Polynesian trade, um, Austro Malay people. So are they these, called the the Wakwaks? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Because I've I, I this stuff is a bit fresh in my mind because I've read uh, my my dad's book recently, but he didn't mention anything about bananas in there. But that's quite interesting. Well, so so I'm just trying to figure out if I said um, Austro Malay properly, um, but. But effectively, here's, here's another thing that I found because of this investigation into bananas. Madagascar, which is, of course, off the coast of Africa, is part of Africa. Mm. They have people mm. which look like Indonesians and speak an Indonesian-related language mm. because of this trade from, 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 from these people spread all the way to Madagascar. And they've actually got like they've got tribes there in madagascar mm. and that's how bananas got to madagascar that's how immense this trade was and that's how they brought it to east africa mm. you know and that was four thousand years ago <laughs> yeah minimum 500 years before christ and people are estimating now four thousand years ago um was was actually when when uh, bananas got to um east africa and mm. spread I mean, that doesn't and, doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me. Yeah. And by the way, uh, Alexander the Great brought bananas mm. into the Middle East when he came to India. He was given in 327 BC a plate of bananas in India, and and that's how Europe discovered it for the first time. Mm. <laughs> Nuts, right? And in India, mm. you get pink bananas, red bananas crazy variety yeah in northeast india you get pink bananas Um, and you didn't know this before i i I mean i i knew that india i knew that india and and um, papua new guinea that area was the center of diversity but i didn't quite understand like how interesting how much of a story it tells you know i really want to try (laughs) pink and red bananas so apparently not all of them are super especially in india most of them are starchy um yeah but but um but yeah apparently this one is sweet white and sweet the pink one it's, it has a this is normally the skin we're, we're referring to and it grows wild right so they're mm-hmm. quite small and uh and i think because bananas <clears throat> got to, also bananas from southeast asia got to india quite early there's a huge variety of um also you know huge genetic variety all, all over everywhere from india through to northern australia yeah so that's 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 crazy thing number one. Mm. Crazy thing. There's number two or three, but the crazy thing number two is you're talking about South America. So yes, 
um, bananas that we know got to the Caribbean via Portuguese trade and missionaries that came from the Canary Islands and, and from West Africa. That's where they picked up bananas from. And, 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 and uh, I think the language is Wolof in West Africa. That's where the, they, they coined the term banana. That's where we get it from, from their language. Okay. And that's how it got to the Caribbean. And it was grown largely because it um, sustained uh, slave trade. It sustained the slaves. So it, was, it, would, it would grow quite happily alongside sugarcane, produce a lot of food, and then they could eat this food whilst they whilst they slaved on the fields so that that's mm. why it was such a big thing and then of mm. course we won't get into it this time but then there's obviously a history with like the big fruit companies and then the concept of a banana republic and and, and all of that that, that happened in dark history of bananas but we're not going to go into the dark history of bananas in south america today we'll we'll, we'll stick to you know the more kind of Mm, trying to trace its genetics and flavors and all this kind of interesting stuff and and, and its yeah. trade history. Yeah. Any questions? I can keep on babbling on. But wait, yeah, wait. no, I mean, the, the I really mean... crazy thing is that. <laughs> is... <laughs> Any questions? But wait, let me just keep going. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 I just have to finish. So, so, but apparently, also, 200 years before Europeans arrived in South America, there was already. Um, bananas present in 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 uh, the Ecuador. So there are some bananas which are native to South America no, as well. This is the other great Polynesians. This is the uh, other huge revelation that because of bananas, mm. people have been having about the relationship between the the, the Polynesians on the one side of the Pacific and and the South uh, American civilizations on the other side of the Pacific. There's um, tubers like like. Um, uh, sweet potato that you find on Polynesian islands, like, like and, and and like on the islands in between, like Easter Island. You see bananas also early in South America. Apparently, there's instances of crossbreeding on some of these islands as well, between which which is exactly what inspired the Contiki expedition from South America mm. to Polynesia by by a raft. So mm. there's been so, and we know that the Polynesians were also actively searching the sea. So insane to think that there is a chance here that the polynesians cross the entire um pacific and put with banana seeds and, mm. and 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 got them to south america before the europeans yeah i mean freaking crazy that also yeah i i think i was telling you before like about um how i think when we were in colombia we were talking about they found like yeah. a, a skull um, mm. or a skeleton in South mm. America, which mm. dated back to, I want to say like, oh, mm. I want to say like 10,000 years ago, but it's probably not right. I think maybe it was like 4,000. I need to, uh, I need to double, I, I, I need to double I check that. I remember this, but there's something older than they expected like way older way older than and like expect. you know like it's like you know the, the traditional idea is that they came over the uh um the bearing straight right when there was um yeah um when it was still when there was covered by ice and it was a, a land bridge that was formed right yeah but i think now they're realizing that that there were people that polynesians were that were crossing before, yeah yeah, yeah. Independently. And, and, and yeah so like also I, was, I think i told you once that uh cloves um mm -hmm. cloves are they're basically endemic they were they were endemic to this one island um 
in um near Borneo, I think. Really? Wow. Yeah. And but it's been part it's been in India for yeah. thousands, thousands, thousands. Yeah. I think probably like, you know, you can go back like eight thousand at least eight thousand yeah. years ago that's been there. And yeah. that is trade between Polynesians mm. and India. Yeah. And <clears throat> right. And so and they were they were a seafaring right. Uh, civilized, I don't know about civilization, at least community, yeah. but they, you yeah. know, that were that had that had very that had a lot of knowledge about navigation through stars. It's really um, fascinating. Yeah, I mean, they reached. Um, I mean, oh, oh, Australia. I mean, yeah. I think the earliest record of humans in Australia is at least forty thousand years, fifty thousand years back. Right, and 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 in terms of seafaring from what we're talking about, they reached everywhere from East Africa through to South America before, mm. before the Europeans did, mm. which is, which is, uh, which in my mind was, was when people first traversed these huge distances with like huge ships, huge wooden yeah. sophisticated ships, but they were navigating those oceans way before. And, and yeah. in a really, really, yeah, it's kind of mind blowing that there was this yeah. in, this this maritime massive maritime trade mm. across the Pacific and Indian Ocean way 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 before. And it was From, this. And, uh, I think you know. Have you heard of uh, in? I think <clears throat> it's in Java. Yeah, I can't remember exactly what it's called, but there's. Uh, it always used to believe was a hill or a mountain. Okay. It's now been discovered that it's a pyramid <laughs> and it dates back to probably about fourteen thousand years ago no man that's crazy right mm. i i need to remind yeah yeah well we can we, these are like points that we can pick up on the next one because i'm curious about it now and then and then next time we can we can get into like a lot of depth about these 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 yeah. crazy discoveries um Mm. In, in 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 southeast asia but yeah and, and it was and from taiwan i think ryuku kingdom bananas. yeah well <laughs> we're going bananas no uh, from, from, from the ryuku kingdom of japan all the way down through like taiwan all the way uh, down all of those islands all the way down to to papua new guinea were all one massive um ethnic i don't i don't want to say ethnic group but they were but that 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 defines they, they were they were speaking the same languages let's just say that Mm. Um, and so they, they were connected, heavily connected. It was like one huge seafaring civilization that was doing a lot of work for a long time. Anyway, so mm. we're interesting. Th- two, two or three more interesting things is that one um, bananas reached Japan quite early on for this reason too, and mm. and but they weren't used as food. They were used as material to make clothes. They used to use the oh, okay, yeah. So, so not not the food type got there other types got to japan first um mm. yeah so there's a lot of variety of bananas uh and the other thing is that so we're talking about a group of bananas called musa these are all these bananas that we know about today come from um mm. but there are other but the higher level the what the whole family's called is called musesi and that mm. includes a lot of other things that look like bananas and uh, I call estene. Um, uh, well, basically, that variety spreads right across Africa, from West Africa all the way through, through to Ethiopia. 
so there's a whole diversity <clears throat> of banana what we would call banana what, what are called false false bananas but they're part of the okay. same they're related throughout africa um which is crazy in ethiopia 20 million are, people are most, rely quick question are most bananas edible raw or are most bananas things you have to cook like plantains so the, this is an interesting one because um uh most banana right most of musa Ooh, is bananas are wild. A wrong uh, there's no plural form bananas is it all do i have to say banana when i say are most bananas <laughs> edible is it most banana I think it's bananas. <laughs> okay. But all right. I have no idea about the grammatical origin of that. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's called ensete. Ensete is the false banana, what we call the false banana that grows in, in, in Ethiopia. 20 million people eat it. But that's only because we know bananas to be part of the Musa group. And this is part of a it's like cousin group. Um, and that, that never went around the world. Um which is crazy. So you have always fun, but but uh, so yeah. So most bananas are not edible because yeah. most of them are still wild. The vast vast majority of them are still wild, full of seeds and mm. and um, mostly seeds. And uh, you get you get all sorts of like snake shaped ones, white, crazy. But but yeah, that's so. So most bananas are not edible. They're just growing wild, different varieties. It's very small selection of that. We've made edible, and there's about a thousand cultivars, I think, of ban- edible bananas. What do you mean, banana. made edible? Well, we domesticated Just... them. So, so the bananas that we eat today, which are two major things about them: one, they have no seeds, and two, mm. they're big, sweet. They, don't they things. do have seeds, but they're just really tiny. So what, like what it to is grow, to grow if you want to grow them you like cut a very fine sliver of the banana or something there's like little black dots in the banana that you might find which would then be the seed. Oh so actually the bananas so you have to be clear here the most almost all the bananas that we eat especially mm. in the UK and around the world are Cavendish and Cavendish bananas actually come from I think Chat- Chatham House in to you from the UK, so they were they were brought from Mauritius to the sixth, um, to the sixth. Uh, what do you call them? To the sixth something of Devonshire, sixth royalty of Devonshire. Um, Earl Duke. Earl Duke, I think something like yeah, some Ponzi stuff, mm. and, uh, <laughs> and 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 they named it after him. For that reason it's called cavendishii that variety okay. and that variety was not only um, um sweet and without any seeds but it also was resistant to a kind of fungus that uh before that another banana was the most popular in the world um it was called it was called my goodness i should remember all these things uh <laughs> just too much too much Very excitement um uh yeah, for anyone uh, okay. who's just listening as an audio, you're going to see the look on Chetan's face as he's talking about these bananas. Literally, his his smile looks like a banana. <laughs> um, gross, gross Michael, meaning Big Michael, 
That hey, was the banana. Hey, come yeah. on, don't be so. No need to be so mean. No, I'm not maybe, that gross. Maybe I don't want to say. Yeah, <laughs> they were being a bit gross. <laughs> Only a little bit gross. <laughs> but um, but yeah. So this was really popular. But it, then a fungus wiped that out, and now and then the Cavendish banana because it was resistant to that fungus became really really popular. And so this is a sterile banana because it has no. Um, has no seeds so it's mm. undergone something called parthenocarpus but yeah i don't know it's a stupid question but then how mm. do you grow them by cloning so you have to cut the stem of the banana and plant that stem and it'll grow roots again and isn't that quite cl- dangerous in terms of then like the, having the whole population wiped out that's why there's a huge fear that there'll be no more bananas very soon because there's a black fungus that is that infects um, both certain types of plantain and this Cavendish banana variety, which is the most grown variety in the world. And people are desperately trying to look to develop banana diversity again by going back to Papua New Guinea and to Do they always never have seeds or do they used to have seeds, but we kind of like just uh, selectively um, uh, mutated it to the point where it doesn't have any seeds anymore? The current bananas that we eat, a lot of them, are a blend between two kinds called the uh what barbicinia and the other one that i mentioned starting with the a uh the the one that starts with a is sweet and this one starts with b the barbicinia one is um is is the starchy one anyway mm. the, the combination the thinking is that the combination made a mismatch of the chromosomes um mm. and then that mismatch means that that is no longer fertile so it doesn't okay. produce seeds and we kept on then cloning it and as the clone as that went on over time um, various other mutations took place which messed with its uh, pollen and which messed with its morphology and then it wasn't able to ever um, it sounds produce. like a really fucked up banana, uh, banana plant now like it's just like unable to do anything well the thing is about humans, basically. well this this yeah this this current banana is just um, especially the Cavendish one, it's just a clone. Uh, there mm. is genetic diversity in bananas, but not that we eat, but not that huge. M- mm. Vast majority of it is still wild, and um, and and so that's what makes it interesting. It's reassuring and, but, that there are some wild pa- bananas still. Out by there, the way, Parthenocarpi isn't like so. In this case, it's that the ovules don't form, which means you don't have eggs. Where you don't have eggs, you don't have seeds. And mm. but actually, a lot of plants do this naturally as well. For example, um, I think juniper, if it doesn't get fertilized, the fruit, it will still produce a juniper berry because it still wants to feed its pollinators for the next season. It doesn't want all the pollinators to die because they can't produce fruit. So, so it is, it, yeah, it's not parsnips, 20% of parsnip fruits are, um, are also seedless. So, and, and, and so we've done the same for everything, like seedless oranges developed this way, seedless watermelons exist. Mm developed this way mm. parthenocarpic fruits and we've done it for bananas and then we fell in love with it and then um yeah <laughs> especially one the cavendish and just plastered it everywhere and now it's getting wiped out by a fungus which is quite scary um so we have to develop new kinds and there are plenty other new kinds yeah it sounds like it yeah. sounds like there's there are plenty out there which i never knew yeah. so. so the blue java just the final thing skin is blue inside not blue it's white, like a normal banana. It tastes like ice cream, apparently. And yeah, where can we buy this? Apparently, you could. I can. I can. I can. What I flavored can, ice cream? 
I think vanilla ice cream. <laughs> I think when people say banana it tastes like cream. ice cream, they mean that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like a milky banana. Maybe, yeah. actually. Could be. Um, I know I know it has a name in South America and you can find it here. So I'm going to look for it in Colombia. But um, but it's not so common in less tropical parts of the world um, because, you know, importing it is a lot harder here. Things just grow in the fields. Um mm. And and then and then finally, I feel like I've, I've I've just offloaded a lot of excitement that I've carried with me for a few days. <laughs> you said uh, you said initially 15, 10, 15 minutes. I think it's been at least an hour. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> on that the, the, uh, banana called a variety called Ingans. Uh, mm. It's the biggest banana in the world. It grows in the um, Papua New Guinea highlands. Guess how tall this banana tree is. I mean, you've seen a banana tree before, right? Just normally like uh, yeah. two, three meters. And that's yeah. how tall this banana tree is. Five. Five. Fifteen. Fifteen, 15 meters. meters. It's enormous. It's like a, what, a five-story building. And it has bananas that are one and a half feet long. It's like just immense. Crazy. What? Yeah. One and a half feet long? <laughs> yeah. Where do you, where, where, sorry, where's this banana from? <laughs> Papua New Guinea. New Guinea. Oh my god! Probably. And you yeah. can only get it there, I presume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, partly it's just the climate, right? Like, I don't think you can replicate the climate. Maybe are, the, are these are these bananas edible? Apparently, yes, yes, and they're wide. One and, and a half foot large banana. Oh my god! <laughs> What's it called again? Sorry, I need to. I, need to this. <laughs> I think it's called uh, Ingens. I n g e n s. I n I N G E N S. Yeah. Ingans banana. Let's let's see this thing. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> it's just like uh, who knew that you could have this much fun with just banana? I just scratched the surface, I'm sure. Yeah. Wow, that is <laughs> Google it, people. Enormous. Google it. <laughs> Bloody hell. <laughs> it's incredible, right? It's yeah. Totally incredible bananas, banana diversities. Uh, are you bananas about bananas now, Mike? Sorry? Was, is, are you bananas about bananas? Is, is that something silly yeah. I said at the beginning, or, or, or was that worth it, legitimate to be bananas nice. about yeah, bananas? Yeah, very, very legitimate. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> okay, all right. I'll, yeah. I I know you're looking at bananas. So it's expected reaction. Yeah, <laughs> bananas. Um. So so yeah, that's 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 my uh, yeah escapade fascination. I think next week I'll do potatoes. I just get a good feeling about them. Like something about that will completely blow everyone's mind as well. Yeah. I think so. I think it's like these kind of like staple foods, which are which everyone just kind of like take for granted without knowing i guess and they probably just have like fascinating backstory because they probably you know everything comes from usually Somewhere. one place or or yeah. like a region but yeah. every all our foods now are just you know all over the world that we mm -hmm. kind of just expect that they grow like these staple foods grow everywhere mm -hmm. but in fact they probably have an origin which is just you know, just one region, exactly. one country, which people don't realize, and they probably have their minds blown. Um, I want to yeah. say though, potatoes are 
yeah. white maybe i was gonna say south america as well maybe i think maybe my answer to everything is that originally everything comes from south america because a lot like of chilies, things do. chilies yeah, yeah chilies are also from originally south america and so well, potatoes right? yeah so potatoes and yeah 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 i mean just around here in bogota because we're in the andes there's so much variety of potatoes and it increases as you go towards bolivia as you move mm. towards bolivia it gets more and more and more diverse i think that's the center but yeah it's just an immense amount of potatoes just what about even here. rice Right. Oh, we can do that. I think rice mm. would be mind blowing because rice is, mm. you know, that each country has a very special rice, right? That have their own rice. It does. Which, and then again, is that something that is because it's grown there already? It's always yeah. been grown there, or is it being I... transported there and then, and then, um, yeah, because um, when I think just... of paella rice and when i think of italian like kind of uh, rice for what's it called risotto risotto yeah that's a very very specific rice that grows in piedmont and i i wonder how long ago did it have to be brought to italy to become that specific rice to be selectively bred to that point mm, or was it something right. that was actually from italy already because well, spanish spanish time. rice in paella is very similar as well right yeah it has a it has it feels like a similar kind of We'll find out. We'll find well, out. Well, so I mean, one uh, that, that's I was going to just talk yeah. about, like one of the ingredients that I find. Uh, yeah, is, nice transition. Yeah, nice transition, in, um, very smooth. <laughs> in um, this this dish, well, so yeah. okay, at this Mission Star, this is a relatively new restaurant. Well, 2011, I think it was started, so it's about 10 years old, but. Uh, um, it's one star Michelin star. It's one Michelin star restaurant, mm-hmm. and Pretty the sweet. whole concept is. So I tried to, I tried to um, study it a bit more. I wanted to go back because I remember when we were actually eating it. Um, a lot of the explanation, yeah. um, description of the food was done in Japanese. My Japanese is not yeah. bad, but it's not perfect. It's not fluent. Yeah. Okay. Um, and. So Kudos I went back onto the website figuring out, yeah. um, to try and figure out what the menu was because mm-hmm. it was a, it was also a, a omakase omakase course, which is omakase means, means... Um, um, leave it to me basically ah, leave it to me. So that's an interesting a, dining, yeah, dining a, idea. Course. So it's yeah. basically based on the seasons. Okay, the the, the ingredients and everything are all seasonal. Oh my um, I've had yeah. that before. So if you if you really want to go yeah. to a, like a nice restaurant and you want it to be like yo, yeah. just hit me up with some amazing. I think I've course of done your design. that. Yeah, I think in Kyoto, in mm. Kyoto, there were certain places that were omakase, omakase, and you basically yeah. you, they, they have rooms. You're almost private. Well, in in, in Kyoto, yeah, yeah. Ones, even private rooms, and then they'll just give you stuff that the chef yeah, yeah, yeah. thinks is. Yeah. Like Most restaurants try. will have, even in Tokyo, they have like uh, private rooms, koshitsu, yeah. um, which is really nice. You know, like you, mm-hmm. if you want to just like entertain some clients, or you just want to have like uh, privacy with some mates or something, where because you, you're going to be noisy, you're going to be getting drunk, or something. But yeah. also, you want to enjoy uh, a nice meal, like in yeah, just just um, just by yourself rather than just having like the yeah. loads of busy yeah. people around you or something yeah. then uh, it's, it's it's not it's not um it's not unusual be so, then if you, you want to be antisocial you basically. got the option <laughs> yeah. 
yeah <laughs> um and so i i isolate that all the time just i don't want to even talk to you yeah. just give me stuff <laughs> yeah. but i mean here yeah. it's basically i think there is no a la carte menu i think you go there and it's always yeah. um, like i said wow yeah i have a choice wow. so wow. because because there Chef is knows. no yeah i mean there is no menu that he has all around the year that's it's incredible just, man that's the height of yeah. i think a food experience in a restaurant would just be this exactly. completely dynamic um, experience yeah. like that wow well, it's, okay. it's, it's very quintessentially japanese as well because like i said we were talking earlier it's it's all it's very seasonal right so mm. the ingredients change mm. throughout the year um incredible and and so yeah if i go again yeah um, in another month or something it'll be different which Amazing. it's just, which is also very clever it's for the restaurant because yeah because you know you don't know what you you're have get. to it go encourages back people to come back yeah like, yeah i, mean, I, I want to go, go back to a restaurant been there yet <laughs> yeah exactly right like yeah. if you go if you have a like the Amazing. same course all the time you go back because you know what you're getting yeah but on this case you go back because you don't know what you're gonna get like, oh, <laughs> yeah. what's he gonna surprise me with this time and it could Jeez. be it could be and i don't think it's also like every year he does it uh, one menu for each season i think it literally depends on what is available man it's like you know? art man like he's 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 yeah what what's there if the if this if the weather is different this year it's gonna have a different mm. amount of production of certain ingredients maybe different quality and taste and, he's and constantly on it what, what's or the she? geopolitical situation at the time as well like i was talking about like how you can't get um like yesterday i went to my grand my grandparents house to the mm. same place for going for the cherry the plum blossom viewing yeah and my grandmother made sushi but not mm. not sushi that you uh picture in your head it's just mm. this kind of sushi is just you have a big bowl uh of rice which you put vinegar so you make su- mm. uh, uh sushi rice vinegar mm. and then you wow. just add lots of ingredients like yeah. um seaweed um yeah scallops prawns uh, egg, basic uh, bamboo tasty things shoot, <laughs> lots of tasty stuff yeah and often what you also have in there is um uh ikura which is uh salmon eggs eggs mm. but you know she was saying uh, i only i went to the supermarket today and i only managed to get this tiny there was just like just one Why? box small box of uh, salmon eggs left because oh, I, yeah a lot of it comes from russia <sighs> yeah and <laughs> She was saying that she just couldn't find it in in the uh, shops lately, and so it's really expensive now as well. So uh, not only are gas prices around the world going up, salmon egg prices, and also uni, saw, yeah. which is sea urchin as well. <laughs> Most uh, what, one thing I didn't realize as well was that a mo- I would say I don't want, I don't I don't know exact percentages, but I would I want to say most of yeah. uh, uni uh comes from russia as well you do get a lot from hokkaido uh, the northern island this is this like this rising this like it's connecting my mind because i saw an article recently which, which said that japan has now started to like talk more aggressively about the fact that the i think they call Sakhalin islands which is a Russian oh, yeah. name, of course, yeah, is yeah. actually Japanese territory because it used to be, yeah. and then it's, it's disputed. Been it's disputed. Yeah. But now I'm beginning to think that, you know, the, the sea urchin prices are going up. Yeah. <laughs> and they need to secure the That's sea urchin resource. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but unfortunately, Japan 
can't they can't use their army to uh, invade? Oh, I, I shouldn't say unfortunately. They, they <laughs> thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, they can't. Uh, I, I think <laughs> thankfully, yeah. can't. Um, <laughs> But yeah, another crazy thing I found out <laughs> recently as well is that the Japan Defense Force apparently is actually larger than the UK, the British Army. No, it's bigger apparently. Yeah, it's like wow. it's like like hundred fifty thousand oh, no. or something I, like that. I remember that Japan's got the fourth biggest army in the world. I think the top three are US, Russia, China. Then it's then it's India, and then it's Japan. Mm. I think it's the fifth. So, mm. which is really I surprising. Thought, I, actually, I thought, I thought they didn't have an army. Or they're just very small one, but yeah, I'm surprised to learn that they got. Three I think you're ones. gonna be, be even more surprised when you find out that the reason why the army is so big is because every single member of the population has to be. <laughs> I was gonna say you find out that you're, 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 you're actually a soldier without without knowing it, Mike. That's, I'm getting, that's I'm what's getting conscripted soon. <laughs> that's, that's what's happening. Yeah. to go and invade the Sakhalin Saharan uh, Islands. You're not allowed to. Urchins. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> mission. No. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I'm not um, surprised. I, I wonder when they grew it, because I think as far as I've always known Japan, it's always been very neutral, never really needed to have a strong... It's always right in America for defense. It never really needs to have a big army itself. Um, but yeah. clearly, clearly... Maybe they are the secretly planning an invasion somewhere. Oh. Maybe they have a great army. Yeah, well... <laughs> <laughs> or maybe just defense from like North Korea and, and China, which you know, North Korea is just throwing bombs over Russia all the time. I mean, Japan all the time. Yeah, I think they fired two missiles uh, just two days ago or yesterday or something. Speaking of, like, um, earth-shattering stuff, quickly, Mm. 7.5 Richter-scale earthquake in Tokyo just a couple of days ago. Yeah. (laughs) During, just after which you phoned me up and was like, there was an earthquake. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was very drunk at the time, so I can't tell you... uh... I can't tell you um, how bad it was because uh, I was, yeah, I was a little bit tipsy. But <laughs> at the same time, I was also, I was also underground. I was uh, in. Um, um, oh, that's a great place to be during an earthquake. Actually, yeah, I was in a bar, bar playing some pool, which was on the ground. But then I could see the lights shaking a bit. Oh man! Um, Engineering yeah, I, of a developed country, just unbelievable. Yeah. Seven point five, and you're just playing pool. Um, mm. It's just, but, it's just marvelous. I know that. I know that. Like for example, my grandparents, you know, their house was shaking quite a bit. So. Oh my god! Yeah, it's wood. But then they're really. closer towards. They're closer to Fukushima as well. Um, okay. Tokyo's a bit further away. Okay. So, yeah. so that that was the epicenter, Fukushima. I think it was off the coast of Fukushima, basically okay. like like the one in 2011. So people were scared of another tsunami. Yeah, exactly. Jeez. Okay. Well. All right. Well. That was that was fun. Sorry, we've diverged from my from, my uh, from your mission star. Mission star. So yeah, I was about to say it'll be interesting to find out about the rice because one of the first dishes I had, which was this uh, fish, it looked like a tempura, but it wasn't. It wasn't batter. Um, it was very um, bubbly, like pops, like rice krispies, right? Yeah, exactly it. right. And those. That was actually a type of rice. So yeah, it's it was kind of like the rice crispy, but it was like a deep fried rice, but a particular type of rice called um mochi mochigome. 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 Which, mm, which is as from the name, as mm. would uh would suggest, it's what is the rice mm. that is used to make mochi. It's very glutinous, it's glutinous rice, essentially. And wow. it's most it's mainly used in Actually, it's everywhere, but uh, mainly Southeast Asia. Apparently, in, oh. in Laos, 
it's no in Lao, it's it constitutes for like 85 percent of their diet or something like that that's uh, but yeah in in japan it's uh um it's just the glutinous rice which is used to make mochi, mochi. Which is like the pounded the, the pounded yeah. uh, like rice cake essentially rice and cake. it's actually because of that um that um you know um quality it has it's yeah it's got similar kind of uh use um in other in where else it's used as well like korea mm. and china they use it to make like dumplings and stuff like that yeah as well. it's, it's cool. pounded into like a flour essentially cool. as well but here i think they've just like flour. they've just like uh, deep fried it and they've cut coated this fish cool. um with it and then nice. on the top how was it texturally um, was it like was it like rice krispies taste, or was you it could, no, 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 no. In the center, you could you could tell that it was quite glutinous because um, the center was a little bit sticky. Oh, so it's it's really nice contrast, like crunchy on the outside, a little oh, bit glutinous boy. in the center, and then you got the fish on the uh, that's very soft and center. Now I understand that that's a really interesting taste. So mm. let me try. I wonder if I can maybe I'll try try deep fry the starchiest rice that I can I can find here. Um, <laughs> see if it does yeah, a similar and then thing. Use it as like a, as yeah. a substitute to batter. Essentially, you can make yeah, a, you can make a tempura, That's but way not cooler texture. Mm. Yeah, and ricey taste. Oh man! And then I wonder what oil they use. On the on the top, they put the the fish eggs, but it wasn't uh, uh, salmon, right? Ikura, probably okay. because uh, it's hard to find out. <laughs> yeah, it was um, it was uh, tobiko, tobiko. I think it was tobiko, tobiko. anyway, which is What's which is flying fish roe. Ah, uh, mm. wow. Which you, you often find, you, you know, like you that? know, you know, like in uh, California roll, you get these kind of like uh, sometimes you can find this uh, on the outside instead of nori, you get these mm. like. Color, like orange, bright orange, yeah, like little, green little fish ones. eggs. Yeah, mm. that's that's usually tobiko because you can you really? can you can. I don't know how they change the color. I think they kind of like just soak it in. Um, like the green one is like wasabi. They... Um, the orange one, the one Salt. my one was kind of yellowish. So I think that's a like yuzu. Okay. Um, oh wow! Did it have mm. a sour taste? Like yuzu sour? A little bit, yeah. Mm. So because... I think it might have been tobiko in in a. Uh, with a hint of yuzu i'm beginning to wonder now like how do they get cheap fish eggs like how is that possible they they must mm. farm them because uh, not every then, single fish has is got the fish eggs right well that yeah that, that, that we like and then they mm. have to like clean it all out and then get all these little eggs um mm. somehow mm. without bursting them so they're usually in case aren't they though they're not like uh, in case in a kind of like uh, um, skin, I guess. Yeah, because as far as I know, you got to take that off as well. Yeah, with 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 like beluga caviar, they salt it first to make it firm, and then they slowly massage it over um, over a sieve so they don't burst it, but it separates it from the thing that it's stuck in, like whatever mm. the fish. Okay. It puts its eggs in, and sack. Sounds like a very laborious process. Probably why it's yeah, so expensive. Expensive, then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Partly because of that. Part, yeah, all, all the yeah, exactly. And then and then they actually store it. They actually mature it for months um, mm. with blue caviar. But I'm wondering how they do this on a mass scale. Um, yeah. Maybe that's something Japan, that you can find out about next week. <laughs> I'm yeah, curious. Yeah, like I love to talk about shakes, that. Like in general, in Japan, yeah. are not that expensive. But well, no. but I. 
I don't know oh. what the prices are like now, but let's see. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'd love to talk to you about that next week to find out what the mm. industrial process is for fish eggs and, and how, how they manage to, to do this efficiently mm. um, and without breaking anything. Ooh, I have no answer right now. I can only guess. Um, okay. So how were the fish eggs? Tasty? <laughs> Flying fish eggs? Um, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, I, I, I didn't want to eat any, any ingredients separately from one another. Just wanted yeah. to experience it all as one. And it was, it was, it was fantastic. It was great. Um, <laughs> That's so cool. But I mean, every so single cool. dish on there was incredible. So cool. um, the next one, the next dish that came was like a, a large plate with an assortment of small plates, all different dishes. Um, uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's just dreaming, dreamland. Okay, yeah, so I think, I think, I think it was the best squid I've ever had was on one of those dishes because it was so soft, it was so buttery. And then yeah. on the top, they kind of like covered it with um, um, this Japanese uh, um, kind of herb called sancho sancho like, it's like a japanese pepper i think Ooh. it's one of the ingredients in shimmy as well let me google this san how do you spell it sancho s-a-n-s-h-o okay s-a-n also known as japanese pepper um, or japanese okay. prickly ash prickly it's, ash it's, mm. why is it called prickly ash so it's this this here says this article um, what is what is Sancho pepper? Sancho versus Sichuan peppercorns. Okay. Uh, what did it do when you ate it? Well, it's quite soft. It's not like peppercorns. It's not uh, hard like peppercorns. Maybe unless you roast or something. It's more like a. It looks more like a herb. Um, okay. But yeah, the flavor. The flavor is. It's very um, green. It's very, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's very similar to a peppercorn, like a uh, experience. It's slightly different, oh. but. But very similar. Apparently, uh, it tastes really like um, citrusy. Yeah, yeah. Is it is it spicy too? Yep, it's got like the hint of, of spice, but then like the citrusy element to it as well. Interesting. I mean, it's it's not related to black pepper in terms of its genetics. Um, it, but clearly, something cool about it. Wow. Mm. Well, okay. It's so, closely related to Chinese Sichuan peppers, though. But uh, yeah, even though they taste, um, and it grows on bushes instead of vines. Mm. Mm, gone. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, wow. I mean, that was that was probably one of the best squid I've ever had because it was. I, I, I couldn't believe how soft it was. I don't know. Maybe I don't know if they if they soaked that also in some yeah. kind of like um, papaya or or, <laughs> or pineapple um, or tenderizer somehow. By like yeah. giving it a massage, but it was so soft. But the uh, idea of fresh squid with some citrusy peppercorns that aren't as overpowering as Sichuan mm. sounds like something really, really amazing. Um, like honestly, really this refreshing. guy is fucking genius. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like What's the restaurant's name? Shirosaka. 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 If you're if you're listening to this. And and you're getting loads of customers coming in and saying like you know, well Mike and Mike and Chet sent sent, sent us here, um, yeah, get in yeah, touch. It's a, it's, a, it's a small restaurant in Akasaka, um, yeah. and 
um, you know, it's it's what it's uh, well known for is cooking over charcoal. Ooh. Um, so that's what he 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 does. So, but in Japan, when you say what it's known for, if that's the thing he does, then he's doing that in ways that we just haven't even thought about, like mm, making yeah. the distance and the radiation, the infrared coming from it, the perfect amount. Yeah, Remember, yeah. you took me to a hay cooking restaurant like there's oh, a bonito yeah, yeah. fish bonito, yeah, yeah. and it was done only on hay and you had these big yeah. flames but the hay yeah. imparted this really nice umami taste uh mm. to the bonito mm. that, that's the kind of i'll, ta- I'll take you I'm... here next time oh thanks quite pri- it, it, I, it was quite quite pricey <laughs> well i'm glad that you offered um i i'm, I'm yeah he said, I'll take you, <laughs> not, not we will go. Uh, I will <laughs> so, take you there. How it's, it's recorded. paid for, though. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was, um, yeah. I mean, okay. so, so I wasn't expecting it to be that, that expensive, actually. I just heard about it. And I think it was uh, maybe the last time this person went there. Yeah. It was a long time ago because it was like, it's quite reasonable. And I was like, damn. Like, sort of yeah, what like, does he do? Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he like owns the restaurant. Okay. Yeah. Oh, man. But, that um, sounds phenomenal. Yeah. A phenomenal was, experience. Yeah. Nice. I look forward um, to more of your uh, reasonably priced Michelin star escapades in Tokyo. Mm. Um, <laughs> your Tokyo Michelin star exploits. I've Very been cool. I mean, there really? are what there are, I think I think there, there are two hundred and twenty six Michelin star restaurants yeah, in Tokyo. I, I went to three just in a week, and they only cost really? me like twenty pounds, like or thirty dollars a, a dish. What? But 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 they, but they were ramen and soba uh, Michelin star restaurants. I recommend that. Yeah, for a reasonably priced one Michelin star experience, ramen and soba is a good way to go in Tokyo. Everywhere yeah. there's loads. Mm. Yeah, cool. Cool. So I think that was pretty interesting. We got a whole bunch more to talk about next week and investigate. Uh, Part of it's going to be spontaneous things that we discover and part of it's going to be uh, like a follow on from from this time. Um, If you're, I'm going to, I'm planning on writing about that, um, the, uh, uh, the impacts of the geopolitical situation on the prices of, uh, um, I think that's Only, very interesting. Uh, I would love to read something more so in depth about if that. If you're interested in reading up about that, I'm going to be writing food. about that as well. Yeah, 100%. And I think I'll write up this banana thing on, in, in part so that everyone can get the the correct names. I'm sure I butchered a few because, um, mm. you know, spelling is not that easy. So, 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 so yeah, but, but I think that's a long, interesting history. I think I'll stick it. Maybe, maybe the most interesting thing, I'll center it around the big giant 15 meter banana ingans um okay so yeah i, I think i think that, that'll be a bit of fun um so yeah and we'll put it on the website which is chatventure.com and uh so yeah you can head over there and check it out um pleasure as always mike always. Uh, mind was blown and uh, more than once and hopefully next week do the same uh share yep. a whole bunch of interesting stuff let's see what happens uh, during audience. this week yeah let's see what happens okay i'm gonna drink some of this sake there's not sake sorry umeshu uh, <laughs> it's alcohol so technically it counts yeah we learned maybe that i shouldn't I, I don't drink it this early don't worry i'm not gonna start drinking it now oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well yeah just a 14 hour time <laughs> difference nighttime my yeah. time, morning time your time anyway yeah. all right on to the next one next week 
more action-packed fun stuff all about food and flavors all right see everyone and you mike next week see you later see you later Thank you.